Tis the season for drama. That's right. Drama, drama, drama. Instead of how, how, how. <laughs> so silly. I liked that kind of. But anyway, I just want to tell all of our listeners before we start this amazing episode that this holiday season, you can, you know, give back to your favorite podcast by going to patreon.com backslash the drama podcast for bonus episodes. You also get Instagram close friends access. You get so much more by just subscribing. Why not? You know, money can't buy you class, but it can buy you eternal love and devotion from Connor and I. <laughs> Being a member of the Patreon community means that you are so much more than just another listener. You are someone who truly is invested in the cause, and we cannot do what we do without our patrons that we have and have stuck with us since the beginning or maybe joined along the way. Yes, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. We love you all. Thanks for listening to the pod, and thank you for signing up to join the Patreon. All right, Dylan, should we start the show? Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture. Love. And life. Hey, Dylan, what's up? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever, even though it was just yesterday when you drove away into the um, into the Lincoln Tunnel. I know. Well, I know. You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't miss you when we're away. Everyone's like, oh, do you miss your twin? Do you miss your twin? But it's like, no, we talk all the time. Like all you know? day. It's insane. It's sick. And for the uninitiated, I- Connor's <laughs> in New York. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I visited for a week. And we binged some Broadway shows. We did. We had way too much to drink. I and <laughs> somehow survived a, a breakout of Omicron in the midst of, of this crazy world we live in. I know. It's kind of spooky, but we're, we're double vaxxed we're, and We're boosted, boosted so baby. I'm, I'm trusting science and hoping that everything's okay going into this holiday season. Wait, Dylan, we saw so much theater. I mean, we saw Robbie Rozelle's show and Ben Moss's show, but we, you also saw some Broadway stuff with yes. me, Carolina Change. What else do we see? Diana. We saw Company and Diana. Diana, my yeah. new obsession. I know, Dylan, this is controversial to say the least because, you know, it dropped on Netflix and everyone was like, what is this mess? But we went in real life to check it out. And well, to quote your favorite bat, former bachelorette, Hannah Brown, bless this mess. <laughs> Not my favorite, Dylan. And also, uh-huh. I'm quietly leaving Bachelor Nation, which we can talk about another time. Actually. I know, I know, which is brave of you. You're joining me. I'm, I'm Leah Remini, leaving first from Scientology, and then you're following closely behind. <laughs> Um, Well, you know what? I've got to say, I also saw Flying Over Sunset by myself. It was probably the weirdest trip of theater I've ever seen. Carolina Change is is just so different than anything I was expecting at all. Mm -hmm. Flying Over Sunset was literally about an acid trip. And Diana was this like, you know, I was expecting it to kind of be a mess per Twitter.com. But actually... It was amazing and fun. And I said this to a friend. It kind of gave me Legally Blonde vibes. It flowed really well, didn't it? Was it was poppy and fun. And the, the female lead is blonde. It didn't leave the stage once. We made a lot of costume changes. Like, it was very, <laughs> very fun. And of course, it, it, our it, buddy Zach Adkins shined in his featured role. It was great to see him. It was just a great trip in general. Um, I have to say the highlight for me was seeing Company with you and our gay, silent 
gags as Patti LuPone did her Patti LuPoneisms during company. Oh, she is it. And then she was out all weekend. Did you see that? We, we, I know. We thankfully caught her. She's such an icon. I'm- I know. And I feel so lucky to have seen her now. And I will say they modified her choreo in Side by Side. It's it's modified, but not marking. Mama doesn't mark, but modifies. No. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was I amazing. I can't wait to come back and see everything that I, else that'll be out by the time the spring has sprung. Um, but today I want to take a more, I want to, I want to chill out for a little bit and have a conversation with someone has been on our list for years. I know. Well, Dylan, like you said to them before, mm-hmm. when we launched the podcast two years ago, we actually launched it the day we saw their solo show. Yep. At your former place of employment. Monday, November 4th, 2019. Yes. And mm-hmm. I remember we were talking because we were so excited. We had just launched the pod. Yeah. We were like, we, I would love to get him for the podcast. Yeah. And, and I think, I don't know if it was announced yet, but we knew they were going into Frozen maybe eventually. But anyway. I don't think it was announced yet. It wasn't yet. announced yet? It wasn't? No, Scotland PA was, in the, was, was occurring. Oh, maybe that was it. Yes. Okay, wait. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm getting so excited. We have so much to say. There's much to dissect and disseminate. Yes, in this podcast. D- Dylan, would you please bring our guest in? Absolutely. And excuse my Sarah Michelle Geller vocals today. I am, have a bit of a sinus infection. Oh my God. Our guest today is a triple threat leading man of both stage and screen. You surely know him as the 15th anniversary Fiero in Wicked on Broadway, Hans in Frozen, and of course, playing the eternally damaged and 17 JD in Heather's The Musical, a role which he created. His gorgeous voice and comedic chops were on full display as he portrayed Brad Majors in the 2016 Fox musical television film, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's do the time warp again. On stage, she's also starred as Mac in the aforementioned Scotland PA with Roundabout Theatre Company, appeared in Mutt House, South Pacific, and many more productions regionally. On screen, he's been seen as Diggy in Disney's Live and Maddie, Summer Forever, Austin and Alley, Freakish, Royal Pains, The Middle, Midnight Texas, and so much more. His stunning vocals can be heard on his extensive collection of original music, The Heathers, and Rocky Horror cast albums, and more wherever you stream fine music. He's an advocate, role model, and the 2011 winner of the Jimmy Awards. Please welcome to drama, Ryan, Ryan McCartan. Wow. I just, oh my God. First of all, that intro, it makes me sound like such a big deal. You guys are so good at this. But also, but just the opening conversation, I was, I was sitting here in my little box on mute talking to you as if you like literally like a crazy person talking to a tv screen like oh yeah i love patty lapone too <laughs> like i was just like i was so excited you strike me as a patty stan ryan girl <laughs> oh, i don't want to i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but i absolutely plan on talking about patty in the uh in the ring of keys segment. Ooh, oh we call God, that okay. a teaser listen we'll get to it i'm buzzing on the excitement well, Ryan, it's nice to see you again. It's been a few years yes, since I was your your spirit guide at 54 Below during your debut. <laughs> but um, I'm so happy to see you with a haircut and you look so happy. Yes, I am very happy. And most of my happiness is derived from the fact that I chopped my hair off. <laughs> Amongst other things. I mean, I have a great life, but I was really sick of my hair. Sure. <laughs> that feels very like spiritual or like ceremonial to like shed, shed your past life or something with a haircut. I love the drama of it. I have to say yeah well i mean you know like a a lot of the times you you get a new haircut when you've just you know like dumped a tops a toxic ex or like you know when you're going into your big girl career a time for maybe a haircut like our hair does have like a lot of emotional and spiritual value to us and and it's like a very final 
and transient moment to be like, okay, like I am accepting that this next chapter is starting off goes my hair. Uh And so, you know, in a way I kind of felt like I was like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be misleading here. The pandemic is still absolutely roaring, but like, I feel like I was like shedding at least maybe chapter one of the pandemic, you know, I kind of got like a haircut in the past two years because I didn't (laughs) want to go outside. So, you know, there, it felt, it really felt like I was, you know, kind of officially breaking up with 2020 here in November of 2021 by cutting all my hair off. It was awesome. I know as a gay man, a lot of my, my cohorts decided to bleach their hair right at the start of the pandemic because they were like, Oh my God, I can't get my hair cut forever. But I love the idea of you like truly powering through chapter one, as you said, waiting Mm -hmm. to the end and really moving on when it felt like the right moment. It feels like such a silly thing, but I know that so many people resonate with just like how much like emotional and spiritual energy your hair holds. Well, listen, you know, you seem good, but we do ask this question to all of our guests and I am just curious, are you well? (sighs) I, I love that question because it's, it, you actually have to think about it. You know, it's not just how are you, where you autonomously respond. Good. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> a dear friend of mine used to always say like, you know, in the grocery line or whatever, they would say, um, uh, how's your day going instead of how are you? Because mm-hmm. they would always yeah. get like an actual human response that someone would think of. So am I well? I mean, I think, I think so. I think that, I think that in all of the, you know, functional ways that being well really matters, like, you know, I, I'm healthy and stuff like that. I don't shy away from this. I I have pretty bad depression and my depression is not um, events based. It's cyclical. So it sort of, it it sort of ebbs and flows in and out of my life. And I've been in therapy for, for two years, like really actually confronting that for real. And um, that's been like so rewarding and so lovely, but really hard. And so like, uh, you know, there's a lot of heartache with like really experiencing and accepting that for real, for real, Mm. instead of sort of, tucking it in a corner and dealing with it when it's convenient. So I try to be very honest when I'm asked a question like this, like, you know, how are you to say like, not good. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think that that's actually really important to empower other people with, but also to hear yourself say, you know, soldier through life with kind of this like militant idea that happiness is always what's needed and that mm-hmm. you can't ever be anything else. But, uh, but I, I think, I think in the grand scheme of things, I am well, and I, I'm, I'm very, very uh, genuinely like just excited to be sitting down and talking to you guys today. Oh, well, we are honored. I think it's amazing considering the, the wide range of ages and demographics of your followers and fans to be able to actually speak power to this idea of, you know, it's sort of overstated, but that it's okay not to be okay type you know, Jesse J once said it in her song, who you are, but also the idea of therapy and, and being open about it. Did you have to shop around a little bit for a therapist or did you click with someone early on? I was intending to, mm-hmm. uh, and I always tell people to this who, who, who ask about therapy, because like you said, I, I do have a lot of younger fans and I, I have the privilege, but also the responsibility of, of having fans who respect the, the gravity and importance of doing something like therapy, but maybe don't have resources from their school or from their families to, to get those resources. And so I find myself sort of in a guidance position mm-hmm. of saying like, okay, I, I hear you. You don't have these resources. Hopefully I can provide you with some. And, and I always say like, therapy is like dating like you don't just you don't just go home with the first person like you kind of have to make you have to suss it out you have Mm -hmm. to make sure you have to play the field you have to really know what you're looking for I got really lucky though that the first person that I sat down with clicked I don't know I don't know how I got so lucky but but she is uh, she's amazing 
Oh, that's fantastic. I have a fucking kick-ass family. I have amazing friends. I have great, you know, colleagues and coworkers and and a, a, a really, really lovely girlfriend, romantic partner. Yeah, I, I, I've always I've always considered myself very blessed in that regard. I have a great community. Oh, I love it. Wait, who's your girlfriend? Are you in love? You don't have to say if you don't want to. I Oh, I'm very <laughs> much in love. I'm very much in love. I, I'm like, I'm like... St- Anxious, I'm gonna fuck it up in love. Oh. I'm mad in love. No, her name's Samantha Fackety. Been together for for uh, over four years now. Ooh. Congrats. She is honestly the kindest person I've ever known. I don't want to make it sound like she doesn't put effort in because of course she does, but it that's not something that she has to work at at all. Mm. It is something that is like so ingrained in every fiber of her being and how she lives in the world. And it's like, just, I spend a lot of my time thinking about how I can be more like her. (laughs) I love it. How did you guys meet? Was she a fan? No, uh, we, we met because I, I went out on a couple dates with her best friend. (laughs) Well, best friend at the time. Drama. (laughs) That is drama. drama. (laughs) And and then me and this friend, you know, sort of mutually decided, or so I thought, that dating romantically, it probably wasn't going to work out between us. But but and I I I meant this at the time, very genuinely. Like I I really did enjoy her presence in my life, and I was like, you know, exactly what I was talking about with with the therapist. Like you you figure it out, you you play the field, you don't you don't jump to any conclusions too fast. So we decided to just be friends and, and she had to get together with some of her friends one night and invited me and I met her friend who was Sam and I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I, I want to be with this girl. And it was, you know, it, it was, it was a little dramatic, but everyone was, it was adult about it and, and she's married now. So fuck it. It worked oh out God, for everyone. Yeah. Great. Worked out for everyone. <laughs> no drama then. Everyone, everyone, every, oh. yeah. Someone for everyone. Wow. Well, you know, you've had some amazing experiences as we sort of mentioned but Connor and I do like to take it back to the beginning or or maybe somewhere along the journey to sort of dig into the inner artist yes it's inspired by the musical fun home but that moment of recognition when you realized that you loved something about the dramatic arts whether it was pop culture acting music performing singing anything like that the ring of keys moment do you feel like you had it Ryan i think that i i have two answers here Great. Because I, you know, I don't want to shit on anyone or anything. This is just sort of the way that it went. But I, you know, I was raised in Minnesota and, and culturally, maybe it was, it was at my school or in my peer group or something, but there, there was, just, there was something about being an actor or being a, an entertainer or being an artist in any way, shape or form that was like, you know, good for college admissions essays, but not mm-hmm. real life. And sure. and so I sort of had a ring of keys moment that I was like, oh my God, I want to do this. And then in high school, I was sort of like talked out of it to be realistic. And then I sort of had another one that pulled me back in. Wow. So so where it all started for me, my, my father coached like high school football and basketball. And, you know, he, he kept all of his coaching materials and sort of had this dream of, you know, coaching his kids one day and my sister basically came out of the womb singing and dancing. So, so that, that kind of, that plan went to shit for the daughter. But when I came out, I didn't really have any sort of like predetermined interests. And so, you know, my parents kind of signed me up for every sport and I actually, I quite enjoyed them. But when I was, when I was six years old, I got diagnosed with type one diabetes and a lot of kids and, and a lot of bodies can, can 
work out a, a new diagnosis of type one diabetes and being athletic. And, and that's not a challenge for them. It, it, it was a big challenge for me for whatever reason. My plan was to drop out of all of the sports and, and play video games in my room for the rest of my life. And my parents gently explained to me that that wasn't realistic. <laughs> so they um, implored me to, to, you know, find interests. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't look very far because my sister's dope. And I've always kind of thought of her as a hero and a guide. And so I was kind of like, well, she's, she's acting. So I me too. I'll do that as well. And a theater that I think is now just called the History Theater, it was called the Great American History Theater at the time in St. Paul, Minnesota, was doing an original musical called The Christmas Schooner about a boat oh. that brought Christmas trees to Chicago, braving the winter on the Great Lakes. A historical piece for sure. Indeed, indeed. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> so so they needed a, a little boy to play the son of the you know main sailor guy. Yeah. The schooner? The, the, they, they needed a schooner. So uh, I thought a schooner was like a cup, like a chalice. Schooner is a boat. Thank you for educating. Yeah, us. yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, you guys. That's that. <laughs> wanted to come come on here and talk about schooners, uh, right? And, no. Uh, so I got I got cast in this show, but I had no experience. So they they double cast the role, and it was very much an A B situation. The other kid that they cast was very much like he's going to do most of the shows, and you're going to watch and you're going to learn by what he's doing. And when we need you, you'll be there. And so that was the that was the T. That was the situation. The reason that I love this story, how it all comes full circle, is because on Halloween, that kid wanted to go trick-or-treating. So he asked to be excused from rehearsal, and the parents made a big thing about it, and he got excused from rehearsal. I was a newly type minted type 1 diabetic, so candy is poison. So trick-or-treating was not in the cards for me. So I, I, was, mm. I was the only option they had for a boy to rehearse that day. And legend has it that I fucking crushed it. <laughs> and they they switched us around. I became I wow. became the A and he became the B. And that's when I got bit because I, you know, I was eight years old. I didn't I didn't really have any concept of what was good or bad. You, you, when you're a child, your your concept of those things is really derived from the opinions of adults you trust. Right. So, so suddenly I was being told that I was good at something, which which was new for me. You know, I mean, I liked playing sports, but I wasn't good at them. You know, I liked playing video games, but no one was praising me for it because I was alone in my room. <laughs> so like it, this, was, this was the first time that anyone had ever told me I was good at something. And I, I really liked that feeling. Then, like I said, I went to high school and, and I sort of, you know, wisened up. I'm using air quotes for the listeners at home and decided, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'll, I'll go to the I'll go to school and I'll learn how to be a teacher or, a you know, doctor or some shit. I'll get a real, a big boy job, you know, acting, mm-hmm. acting's not real. The National Foundation of the Advancements of the Arts, they have their young arts program that gives scholarship money to, to young artists and such. And so my dad clued me in on them to just get some, some extra money for college. You know, it was sort of like, okay, I understand that you want to like be an English teacher, but you can sing and you can act. So why don't you put a little video together? So I did. And I ended up going to their sort of first week and competing there. And then I got to go to their second week and competing and competed there. And it was great. And I I met a lot of young artists and I was like, that's cool for them, but I'm still kind of, you know, I have to be realistic. You know, that was still in that mm-hmm. headspace. Well, uh, there was a show called Masterclass on HBO at the time that paired students with master teachers and sort of documentary style sort of displayed young artists being taught by these just absolute masters. And this production company who made this show drew from the young arts kids 
from their pool of talent. And so I, I actually did two episodes for them. I did, I did one with Bobby McFerrin at the Feshville house in, in Baden, Baden, Germany. And then I did, I did Patty's episode. I did Patty Lapone's episode. Oh, no way. And it was, it was in two segments. One was, was, uh, I forget. I think we were maybe at the, at the Belasco. Is that right? We, we were on a Broadway stage and it was me and three other kids and we sang for Patty and she gave us some notes. What did you sing? I sang someone to fall back on love. And then I sang, uh, I can't stand still from Footloose. You, you had your uptempo and you had your ballad. You're, that's right. And, and for my ballad, Patty said, great, no notes. And I was like, uh, oh, what? Okay. And so I, I, I actually was sort of pissed. I felt cheated. I was like, Patty, right. like, tell me, <laughs> tell me something. Like, tell me, tell me, you know, to yell more and to use less right. consonants. Like, tell me. <laughs> but, um, oh, that's but- legendary. Then for Can't Stand Still, she was like, higher, higher key. You're not working hard enough. I don't believe you. And she was just, every time I would sing, she'd be like, higher, higher. I don't believe you. You're not working. It was terrifying. But the second segment of this of this episode was breakfast. So the four of us and Patty just sat down and had breakfast and, and just chatted. That moment, because I love Patty. I know Patty. 2008. Uh, everything's coming up roses at the Tony Awards is probably like mm-hmm. my most watched YouTube video of life. Like yes. I, she, she is a legend, not a real person. But at breakfast, she was a real person. And Patty is a lot of things, but she's she's fucking real, man. And she she told us like it is. And for the first time, maybe ever, I was like, oh, this is real. It's not just a hobby. It's not just something you do to get scholarship money to go get a real person job. This is a real Mm. person job. And this is a real person who's done a fucking good job with it and who has made a living and who has inspired the hell out of me and is sitting here telling me at breakfast saying, if you work your ass off, you can do it too. And from there, I was named a presidential scholar by the Obama administration. I won the Jimmy that summer. I moved to LA. I then Diggy happened. JD happened. I mean, it was just sort of this domino of like the, the only person who isn't taking you seriously is you. And, and so there there was sort of a, a second ring of keys moment for me because I, I tried to back off. I tried to back away from it. I, I, I created this world where, you know, there, there's no way that I could pay rent and, and buy groceries and, and sing and dance. Mm-hmm. Now, were, were your parents pushing you in any sort of direction? No. And I really, I really admire them for that. Because I think, I think that if they were sitting here, I think they would say, no shit, he was going to end up in entertainment. <laughs> but the thing that I really respect about my parents is that they never treated us like, like idiot kids. They took our opinions seriously. My, my dad is a high school principal. And oh. I, I always, as a kid, I sort of resented him because I felt like he parented us as if we were his students. Mm. But I realize now as an adult that he actually administrate, was an administer to the kids at his school as if they were his children. It wasn't, it oh. wasn't that he was bringing the, the principalhood to the home. It was that he was bringing the home to the school. And something that I think my dad really does well, and my, and my mom too, but I think this is sort of where it comes from, is, is his administrative background, is taking kids seriously. So mm-hmm. when I said, 
this is something I want to do, they took it seriously. Then when I said, this is something I don't want to do, they took it seriously. They had their opinions. They were like, I bet you're probably going to change your mind. I bet you're probably going to realize you're better at this than you think you are. But they didn't force that opinion on me. They, they let me take my time to figure that out. And if they wouldn't have, I probably would have fucking hated them and felt like, you know, I was pushed into this and this isn't my dream. It's yours. You know, they, <laughs> they let me figure it out and they took me seriously. And that attitude was of paramount importance to, to my development, I think. Wow. That's amazing. As you were talking, I was thinking Dylan and I had a very similar experience with our parents. Mm-hmm. They never pushed us in any sort of direction. They always trusted us, treated us as fully developed humans who could make our own choices. I wonder if it's a Midwest thing or if we just got lucky. I don't, I don't know, but I agree with you. I'm, and, and there were years there where I would be like, oh, I wish you would just tell me where I should go to college, or I wish you would tell me what you think I should do. But they never, yeah. they always just said, you know yourself and you know what you want to do. So you got to follow that path. So I, I know I, I was, I was so furious with that. I mean, so I, I, I came to all of these sort of realizations and I felt like, okay, I really should do this. But I, I was already committed to go to the university of Minnesota. So I went there anyway. And I was sort of like, I'm, I'll figure this out. And it, it took me about 70 days to, to drop out of college and move to Los Angeles. But again, uh-huh. like, I, my dad is an educator. I think three of his brothers are educators. Their dad was in education. I mean, like I come from a lineage of like, the hollowed institution of education and of schooling. And so to like go home to, to especially my dad, but to both my parents and say like, I'm going to drop out of college. I was terrified. And when I said, I, I think I'm going to drop out, my parents basically laughed. I mean, they kind of like turned to each other and they're like, ah, we knew it. Like, remember how I said this was going to happen? I was like, what? Like you knew I didn't know. Like, your mom slipped your dad a five. She was like, told you. <laughs> like, I literally all but that. Like, all <laughs> but put money on it. And and again, like, as a kid, I remember being mad because it's like, why didn't you fill me in on your prescience about my future? But what I recognize as, a, as an adult now is that that's, that's the wisdom of a good parent. I can't show you your future. I just have to be there to catch you while you stumble through the process of figuring it out for yourself you're saying they were someone to fall back on in a way yeah wow wow uh-huh. just just Wig. off the top of my head like you know <laughs> great no notes um <laughs> well listen ryan you've done so many amazing things and i'm a fan of genuinely like basically everything you've been in so i want to do a little quick fire round here where we basically jump from credit to credit to credit and uh-huh. you give me like either the first thing you think of or your favorite memory of it or just kind of like give us some drama are you down absolutely yeah oh my gosh okay cool you have to start with my favorite which is heather's heather's was wild i mean the thing the thing that always comes to mind about heather's is that like while it was very much treasured by sort of the like cult of people who kept us open. It flopped. I mean, like it closed in like a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I always try to impress on younger folks who look at my career sort of from a bird's eye view and say like, okay, I want that. It's like, right. Like if I only based Heather's on the run, it would be a nothing in my career, but 
the, the soundtrack and all of the success of Heather's is the most successful it's ever been right now. So crazy. Like, you know, it, it's, and obviously all of the amazing shit that they're doing on the West end, you know, and yeah. all of that uh, across the pond is, you know, new chapters to this book. And that's awesome. But, you know, the first few pages of our chapter really made it look like this was a big old nothing burger, you mm. know, and the immense fan response happened after we were done with it already. I think personally that that is a testament to the genius of Larry O'Keefe because that Absolutely. album just fucking slaps. It yeah. does. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's just, that's just a credit to to his genius, but you know, it's it's wild to be a part of something that is viewed, I think, authentically and genuinely as something very, very successful, but that our experience was not that it was successful. I mean, we would have like meetings, we would have little contests as a cast of like, the producers would be like, hey, like, you know, we'll give you we'll give you a thousand dollars if you can sell the most tickets this weekend like so crazy fucking crazy shit like that just trying to get butts in seats we were like basically low-level producers on our own (laughs) trying to get people to fucking come and see this thing it you know it what like you never know how people are going to be captured when people are going to be captured why people are Mm. going to be captured. like you you never know and some things are doomed before they start some things are only successful after they end. It's a wild and unpredictable business. And like Heather's is, I think, kind of my ultimate example of that. Because I yeah. never would have guessed it would have it would be where it is now when we did it, you know, almost a decade ago. Wow, that's crazy. Wait, what's your favorite song in Heather's? My favorite song is meant to be yours. So good. So good. I just, the thing that I love about that song is that, in my opinion, if you play it right, it's a love song. Mm. And if you really lean into that, JD is way fucking scarier than if he's just sort of a rambunctious skewing on the sociopathic, you know, rebel. If you make that like a Romeo and Juliet moment, it becomes really, really creepy and unhinged and all of the overtones about this poor kid's mom and just it's just like oh god this is this is like it's like his manifesto it's so creepy larry writes this it's a beautiful song if you take it out of context like if you take it out of context that's such a beautiful song yeah but it's just it's just outright and blatant terror and i i I love that. When I'm thinking about that song, <laughs> and it, it sort of modulates up throughout, right? As it goes on and on. That's right. That's very much what Patty right. Lupone wanted from you, is just to keep going higher and higher. <laughs> it all worked, right? Yes. Yes, the prescience of Patty Lupone. Mm. She, she knew what she was preparing she did. for. She did. <laughs> Wait, Dylan, were you going to ask something else about her? Yeah, Heathers? did you meet Christian Slater? Did he ever come around? Did he... Oh, yeah. Winona saw us uh, when in, in our LA run okay. at the Hudson. And, uh, and Christian saw it off Broadway and I, there are some pictures I, you know, they had a photographer come in and do it. They, they surprised us, yeah. you know, we whisperings around intermission and at the beginning of act two started rumbling that, that like someone was here, mm. but we didn't know who. And then at the end it was like, okay, we have a photo op with someone on the stage. If you can go out there. And there was Christian Slater and like, he got to don the trench coat. I got to like put it on him. And like, I literally like 
there's a picture of me like on my <laughs> knees with my hands over my head. Like it was really cool. Oh, that's special. And he seemed to, he seemed to really enjoy it. I mean, he like it, my sort of very limited scope of his reaction was just sort of like, I never thought anyone would do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, I think, I think he, I think both him and Winona were both kind of like, why the fuck would you make this into a musical? But also like this shit is right. cool. Yeah. That's re- I think that's a testament to both of those people that they would even show up sure. for something like that. Like, you know, cause we were all, we were all kids, man. Mm. I mean, we didn't really have any like big, stars in that show like we were all kind of like newbies and it was a it was a fresh faced fresh show and to have these massive originalist celebrities come and give us an attaboy like that's (laughs) that's dope that was really really cool that is dope okay wait so i'm gonna move on to something else i want to ask about rocky horror uh rocky horror remains so far at least my favorite artistic enterprise thus far i i could not well, I was going to say I could not come up with a bad thing to say about it if I tried, but there was one, <laughs> that, which was just that Drama. when we, because we were shooting in winter, in late winter in Toronto, mm. and uh, for the There's a Light sequence, Victoria and I were were outside of, of on the grounds of Casa Loma in Toronto in winter weather in the middle of the night with rain towers dumping oh on us God. so we just like we 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 they they broke it up where we would shoot like a segment of it every week so like basically every tuesday night we were in the rain so we would always get sick oh. and then barely recover from the cold and then be back out in the freezing rain again so like we we like never i mean i, I guess i'm speaking for her. i don't know if she got as sick as i did but i feel like i was never like 100 healthy during that entire shoot but, you know, fuck it. You have to get the shot in right. the rain. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Ortega is, I just, I fucking love him. Everyone in the cast, you know, Laverne, Staz Reed, Christina Annalee, like just everyone. Tim fucking being there. Tim Curry being there. Lou Adler, the original producer. I mean, that was a big thing too. The fact that Tim and Lou were both a part of it in such a big way really made us feel like we had permission to do it, you know? And Heather's, was like this Rocky horror was like this, obviously, you know, writing, I always say writing another chapter to the same book rather than like reimagining mm-hmm. or rewriting. I don't believe in that. Like, you know, we're always on the shoulders of giants when we're doing some sort of, some sort of uh, adaptation and to have two of those giants in the room made it feel like we had, it, it was a permission structure for mm-hmm. us. And like, there was a, there was a lot that, that we felt we wanted to do different. Like I, I kind of feel like in the original Rocky, and this isn't a, a criticism, it's just an observation. I feel like in the original Rocky, Brad and Janet, I would argue, probably still end up together at the end. Yeah. Even though all that, it feels like they escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wanted to make it that maybe Brad didn't want to leave. I, I wanted to make it that Brad, you know, because this Brad and I are similar in this way. You know, I had some, uh, shall we call them, dark and stormy nights in a mysterious castle sure. in my life where I was sort of like, what what did kissing that person mean for me mm. you know yeah. like, like and i loved the idea that brad brad walked into the castle as this straight engaged to a beautiful woman yeah. man and walked out of that castle like i just had sex with boys and girls and aliens and yeah, right. and you know and i don't i don't know what i am yeah, put now. on a corset and, makeup you know like i i really liked that about our version and i don't think that we would have felt comfortable taking some liberties if tim and lou weren't weren't there 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like Dorothy Dorothy leaving Oz. Yeah, it's Dorothy leaving Oz. <laughs> exactly. I'm obsessed with when Laverne would be like, oh, Red. We always say that. She, Iconic. She, she, she did. There were a lot of times where I fucked up a take because Laverne did something that was so funny that I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was this one thing in the, in the lab sequence where, you know, Frankenfurter is, is sort of displeased with a comment that Brad has made. And she, she did this thing with her lips where they just, they like frittered and, and twitched in a way that I've li- literally never seen a human lip move before. <laughs> and it was the fucking funniest thing ever. And I, and I botched the take. I fucking ruined the take. So no one got to see it because I couldn't keep my shit together. <laughs> She's not only is she obviously incredibly gifted and so important, but she is genuinely one of the smartest people that I've ever like just talking to her. I learn something new about myself and about life every time we speak. Oh, that's awesome. I love, I remember seeing her in the front row at your 54 below show too, yep. which was a treat. Yes, just, just me. fucking cackling. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, she's, she's great. She's great, man. She really is. Um, and my favorite part about that Rocky horror, the album is your cover of once in a while, which I wish was in the full movie, but so it goes. Yeah. Yeah, so it goes. Cut for time. Yeah. I mean, not many, not many people know once in a while because mm-hmm. it's obviously it's from the show, not the picture show. Right. But it's a fucking great song, and it's an awesome moment for for Brad's uh, sort of arc and development. And I think it's supplemental to to what I was just talking about in terms of what I wanted to do with Brad. You know, sort of sitting there with the cigarette on the you know bedside table and being like, "What just happened?" <laughs> It was also cool, Kenny's vision for that. It was all in one shot. Oh, cool. Uh, which, was, which was a nice sort of homage to the fact that that piece was specifically theater. Right. That ah. theater. Uh, so that was a, a cool way to do that. I really liked working with Kenny, too. Oh. He's, he's awesome. And he's such an actor's director, which is rare for someone of his sort of like magnitude. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Um, I am curious about Scotland, PA, which I loved. Very campy. Sort of have that in your in your veins at this point. Some fun, campy adaptations yeah, yeah. and whatnot. Um, what are your takeaways yes. from that experience? Scotland is incredibly difficult to nuance because it, it is Macbeth, but it takes place in a McDonald's. It's all <laughs> of the gravity and seriousness of Shakespeare's Macbeth, but it's not serious at all and so we're doing two shows we're doing a shakespearean drama and a 70s stoner comedy (laughs) and that's a hard balance to strike i don't i don't it's so hard to see yourself outside of yourself i have no idea if we struck that balance i know that that in the rehearsal process was really hard because we were just we were trying to find that I know that the, I know that there were a lot of people who did see it, who really liked it and who really got it. There were a lot of people who saw it that, that it's not that they didn't like it, but they didn't really understand what it was because of that sort of tonal discrepancy mm. and how often we had to jump back and forth. But I mean, being able to sink your teeth into something new and create someone that's kind of like the greatest privilege of, of what I get to do. And I don't get to do it all that often. So that was dope. You know, working with Lonnie Price, Lonnie Price is a massive hero of mine. A class act is one of my favorite favorite musicals ever and that was one of lonnie's babies long ago i don't think anyone's ever mentioned the class act on our podcast really over two years and this is the first shout out it's fantastic Mm -hmm. i mean it it really your your listeners should check it out if they don't know it because you know ed Ed cleveland's story the lyricist of a chorus line and uh, you know as the story goes he always wanted to 
make his own musical and he he died before he could and he left the world with just this trunk of unreleased music that then was turned into this like very esoteric kind of musical review of of his life and his work it's it's really good and and Lonnie played Ed a long time ago and it was it was just working with him was dope like definitely a big a big bucket list item and then obviously Mitnick and Guan the playwright and the music writers respectively they're they're both just so fantastic and working with Roundabout I'd never worked with Roundabout either so a really cool experience and a, a really hard a really hard job, just a hard, a hard thing to do because all of us wanted to do it well. We wanted to do it well so bad and we wanted to find that, that balance. But of course, you know, when you have an opening night and you're, you're up against the deadline, you only get a finite amount of work. Sure. And sometimes I think if actors had their druthers, they would just stay in the rehearsal room forever. Wow, you know, yeah. it's cozy <laughs> there and you can keep finding stuff and you never have to get anyone else's opinion about it. Well, I must say we loved it. So you, you, you struck the balance well, for awesome. us. That, that actually makes me incredibly happy. Thank you for saying that. Of course. So I do want to ask about Wicked. 15th anniversary Fiero sitting here on this Zoom with me today. Still renders me speechless, which is hard to do for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know, what a debut, man. Like, wh- I can't, I can't even believe that I can't, I can't even believe that I've been on Broadway, if I'm completely <laughs> honest with you. I mean, like, two, you've done it two, twice, Ryan. I know. And two of my most ancient dreams ever to be on Broadway and to be on Disney Channel. And the fact uh, that they've both happened, like, really fundamentally and genuinely freaks me out. <laughs> Wicked was so cool, man. I mean, like, <laughs> I just, the album made me love musical theater in a way that I never have before or had before. Fiero was a dream role of mine, but I was eight. <laughs> like, you know, like, there's no way that I'll play Fiero on Broadway because, you know, by the time I'm a grown up, which when you're eight feels like a billion years from now, mm-hmm. like it won't be there anymore. And there it was. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, one day I, I went out the stage door and there was this little girl she was maybe nine and she was like weeping and the mother was standing there and she was like, Hey, yeah, sorry. We're having a hard time. And I was like, what's going on? And she sort of like, you know, gestured to the little girl, like it, it's okay for you to talk to her. She wants to talk to you. And I kind of kneeled down and I was like, what, what's going on? And, and she was like, I can't believe that Dorothy and her friends would be so mean to the wicked witch of the West when all she was trying to do was help. And I said, I said, wow, yeah, that I, I can't believe that either. But it, it, it goes to show you that, you know, we can't, we can't judge a book by its cover, or maybe we can't judge a person by their greenness, let's say. Yeah. And so I want you to promise me that if you ever see someone who maybe like looks a little bit different, you can remember that they're, they're probably just trying to help. And, and I was having this like incredibly nuanced conversation about race with like a little nine-year-old white girl. And from that moment forward, I thought about her every night that we did the show because I think of a really reductive way of thinking about Wicked is that it's a fucking pop anthem after pop anthem. And it's about two girls who are obsessed with a boy and that causes a rift between them. But the, the green one who's different gets the boy and that's great. And that's not what Wicked is. Wicked is, is about three activists who align themselves differently 
over the course of a period of time when they're trying to figure out how best to help. And ultimately, from different places in their lives, from different places physically, from different places emotionally, come together to make a plan to overthrow an authoritative regime that's trying to enslave a, 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 a race of beings. Like, mm-hmm. that's what Wicked is. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. And, and, and the, fact that, the fact that, like, Stephen Sondheim, may he rest in peace, children will listen. Mm-hmm. Like, this child, this child understood that we were talking about race. Yeah. Understood that we were talking about class understood that we were talking about you know the rift between humanity and itself and she was a child she was a child yeah like the responsibility of theater even in something glitz and glam like wicked that could so easily just be a fucking cosmopolitan billion dollar enterprise it is a lesson it's always a lesson and the the young people especially are listening and we facilitated a conversation about race for a little girl that night and probably facilitated conversations about race for a lot of people. And that show will probably continue to do that. And I hope that the movie mm-hmm. understands its opportunity to not just make those producers another billion dollars, right? you know, but to fucking, and not only to introduce a whole new generation of people to theater, like the original Broadway cast recording did, but to facilitate these types of conversations. That like responsibility and the epicness of what that show is capable of all wrapped up with the bow of like it was an anniversary year and it was an anniversary cast and jessica vosk is perfect like (laughs) all of that was all firing on all cylinders all the time and i just i couldn't stop pinching myself and i got injured twice i mean like i got i I got really badly hurt twice on that show i don't even fucking care like it was (laughs) it worth it worth it every time it rains my elbow hurts every time i bend over my ankle hurts worth it totally worth it <laughs> i'm obsessed with you describing the show as being about three activists i have never heard anybody talk about wicked like that before and it has blown my mind because that yeah. is what it's about i mean yeah. come on that's that's perfect oh my god well we got to see you actually at the 15th anniversary wicked day performance and it was, I, I, I sobbed. I yeah. sobbed. I'd seen Wicked like, what, a dozen times at that point? But, I mean, I, we're a similar age, and it came into my life at a similar time, and I've talked about this on the podcast so many times. Yeah, it's it means so many things to so many people. And Ryan, you got to go out for the movie. Are they, are they knocking? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. They're just knocking my door down. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Not- now that, now that they have Ariana Grande and Cynthia Revo, they need a real star like me. <laughs> you know what? I don't, hot take. I don't think they even needed Cynthia and Ariana in the first place. It, oh. I think it's already the most anticipated movie musical of our lifetimes. But yeah. interesting that they did. They decided to do that. So I wonder what they'll do for the other, the other characters. But I guess time will tell. It's not going to film forever. So yeah. All, all I'll say. I mean, I like. I think that In the Heights is one of the most successful attempts of putting theater on screen maybe ever i think john chu is is a fucking genius and when i heard that they were making wicked into a movie i i rolled my eyes so hard i got a headache (laughs) when i saw that john chu was at the helm i was right back in john chu knows what he's doing yeah like i trust i trust it i really do and i everything about me was setting myself up to not trust it but i really do because i think that he i think that he's right cynthia and ariana grande really could 
be right. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I just, I trust it. I do. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm with Rock you. and roll. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, we've talked about so many things and I feel like I could keep talking to you forever, Ryan, but we <laughs> have to say goodbye. But before we do, we like to end on a dose of drama to share the drama on our minds and in our hearts. It could be pop culture you've been consuming. It could be something you did recently, something you want to rant about, rave about, share with the listeners to, rep- to promote anything at all. I'm going to kick it off because there is something I'm feeling dramatic about. It's that I didn't get a chance to see Ryan in Frozen because it sadly closed due to the pandemic and then closed forever also because of the pandemic. And you would have been so good. Yeah, I was so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, not, not, to be, not to be an asshole. I just, I'm really, not seriously, not to be an asshole, but like I'm, I'm just actually genuinely very proud of, of what I did and what we did and, and, you know, we worked really closely with Disney because we've reteched the show and we added a song. It was fucking frozen 2.0, man. And we did it like 30 times and then it was over forever. And like the, uh, the, on the good side, my time there was so short that there wasn't any time for anything bad to happen. So I have only positive memories of that experience. And I, I just love every single person from that show. Like so wholeheartedly because there was no time for drama to happen (laughs) Um, but obviously on the bad side like we don't get to we don't get to tell that story anymore and that sucks yeah we got your dream of disney you got your dream of broadway and then you got to do disney on broadway so it all came together for you there fun fact about frozen elsa's story she was originally supposed to be like the villain and one of the head producers, maybe, or someone has a, a young diabetic child and said, I don't want my child to see this and think that just because they have something inside them that's different, that that makes them bad. Mm. And that is why Elsa is good. Oh, I love that. Diabetes saves the day again. Diabetic supremacy. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> I love to hear that. My dose of drama also kind of ties back to Ryan, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. He's on our mind. Spotify wrapped. I know Spotify wrapped came out, you know, recently. And are you a Spotify listener, Ryan? Yes. Okay. And it, uh, you know, tallies together everything. Of course, Taylor Swift was my number one listen to artist because she gave us everything this year. And yeah, it's not like I haven't been listening to her music for 10 plus years. And I, it's still my most listened to. <laughs> I need to change up my media diet, I think. However, in the stats, it said one song that you binged listened to the most. And it was Ryan. It was your version of Damn It, Janet, because I used it for... A, um, my first audition in a decade, I auditioned for a local theater, not for Rocky Horror, but for like their season. And I sang Damn It, Janet. And I, and I thank you for your, your tenor notes there. I, I took some liberties and uh, was very inspired by it and listened to it a lot. Did you do a gigantic spin warble on Joker? Well, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> was that, was that your choice, Ryan? Yeah. Yes. I went into the original audition and was just like, this song is actually dope. And like, why not? Yeah. And I just took the lid off and Lou Adler, Kenny Ortega, and uh, I forget who was accompanying me at the time, but all three of them were like, oh, damn. All right. No, this is interesting. Let's, let's pursue this angle of Brad actually being a really fucking good singer. Yeah. Because, you know, in the original, Barry's Brad and also Susan's Janet, kind of, are both just sort of like, choker. Like, right. they're, so, they're so, like, meek. And it was like, no, let's, let's let the lid off. Um, Ryan, do you have a dose of drama for today? Yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, I, 
So I, I'll, I'll kind of do both things at once. I, Samantha and I, my girlfriend, Samantha and I, we have a YouTube channel. It's literally called Sam and Ryan. I would love if your listeners check it out. Of course. Uh, and if your listeners felt so inclined, I'm also on Twitch. I, I have a Twitch stream. It's just Ryan underscore McCartan. If you like music and video games, that's what I do on there. The segue is I, I end, I end all of my Twitch streams just by saying, be good to one another. And my drama, as I was, as I was sort of premeditating on this question, is like, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not a little, I'm genuinely concerned about how we treat each other. Mm. I'm like genuinely concerned with how we treat ourselves. I don't think we're very healthy, how we treat each other. I think we're very angry, how we treat the world. I think we're very dirty. I wonder if, if, it's, if it's symptomatic of the fact that everything is becoming or has become so, so digital and so transactional and the fact that we can speak without thinking instead of thinking and then speaking. Mm. We don't have to see, you know, the people's faces who we say terrible things to. But I just, it just, I, I feel just like, tension from fucking everyone mm-hmm. and i'm actually like really concerned about that i don't i don't know how obviously the world has always had some pretty egregious problems and we we are always as humans trying to better ourselves but it, it feels like very recently we've all just gotten so mad you know we sort of have our pot of people and then everyone outside of that we're willing to say and do just the most unthinkable things to each other. And I, I, I don't know where that comes from. And I, I don't, it'd be awesome if I had a solution for that, but I, sometimes I feel like I, I worry too much, but sometimes I feel like everyone else doesn't worry enough. <laughs> mm. And I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how we all got so, angry and rude and tribal and dissected. But I, you know, my one thought is just to remember that like the internet isn't a place. It isn't real. It's not, it's not a, a fair and free source of information. It's not selling you products. You are the product and it's not random. It is very precise to make you think very precise things to, you know, be a feedback loop and to engage you in, a really immeasurable amount of confirmation bias. And I think honestly that, that social media and our phones are our generation cigarettes. I don't think we know what's in them. I think that it feels good for a second. So that's why we use them. But I think in 50 years, a lot of us are going to be like, Oh my God, because you know, 50 years ago, we were smoking cigarettes on airplanes. Right. You know, like we had, we in recycled air tubes. We were, Uh lighting up camels and just babies yeah. and old people and asthmatics just breathing it in like we had no idea and i kind of feel like this is the we had no idea moment and i'm a little concerned that's my drama i love that you voiced all of those concerns because i have similar ones as well especially with reminding myself that the internet is not a place because not a place oof, i can get caught up i can get caught up but yeah it, it might feel like reality sometimes but it's definitely not the real world well to to close the loop in terms of me talking about how laverne is one of my favorite people and one of the smartest people i've ever talked to she told me once that if you if you really clue into your body you know exactly when it's time to put your phone down Mm. because no one not a single person who's a social media user can say that when they're on social media they don't feel things when you feel it in your body 
the jealousy, the shame, the resentment, the anger, whatever it is, when you feel it in your body, that means that your brain is sending a physiological response to your body saying, I don't know if this is real or not, but it feels real. So here is actual chemicals. Here's actual dopamine. Here's actual adrenaline. When you feel it in your body, it's time to put it down mm-hmm. because you, you, the barrier is broken. You do not know what's real and what isn't. And your body is reacting as if you're actually being threatened and you aren't, you can turn it off. You can put it down. That's mm-hmm. some of the most sage wisdom I've ever gotten. And it came from Laverne Cox, who I genuinely think is a genius. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that sage wisdom. And honestly, all your thoughts, Ryan, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, you come from this family of educators and that you were the, you broke the the circle by not doing that. But I do feel that you do educate people with your advocacy and, and the way that you help young people, like we mentioned earlier with the way that you talk about mental health and even some of the little nuggets you dropped today. So thank you for being so open-hearted and open-minded. That's, that's, thank you for saying that. That's, that, that means a lot to me. Absolutely. And I think everyone's going to be hungry for more. So they should certainly follow you on Twitter at Ryan McCartan and on Instagram. It's at Macaria. Yeah, it was it was my like login username for my high school to look at my grades. Uh. <laughs> M-C-C-A-R-Y-A, a little bit of my last name and a little bit of my first name. Okay, well, That's it sticks. True. And then, of course, you mentioned there's a YouTube channel as well. Yes, it's called Sam and Ryan. Great. We'll link it all below. And of course, if, if anyone's you know feeling generous with wanting to follow people on the place that's not real social media, they should of course follow us at the Drama Podcast because <laughs> it's not real. So why not just do it? I've never I've never felt more cheap plugging our social handles here. Of course, follow me at Dylan McDowell and Connor at Connor McDowell. Ryan, this was honestly so amazing and reinvigorated why I love to do this podcast so much and connect with people. Yes, thank you. I had a fantastic time. It means the world to me that you had me on. Oh, thank you. And be good to one another. And Connor. Hey! Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama! Drama.